And welcome back to another episode of Sports Meets Money, where our business is sports. My name is Alejandro, a.k.a. Ale Suave, joined here by my brother and co-host. Med, a.k.a. Marking Medi. And today we're going to be talking about uh, the Big Ten Conference. Uh, we like to start off these little conference episodes with a little quick history, which uh, I'll start, start us off here. So... The Big Ten, which is uh, formerly known at was formerly known as the Western Intercollegiate Conference, was is one of the oldest college athletic conferences in the United States. Formed in 1896 by the University of Chicago, Illinois, Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Purdue, and Northwestern University. Um, this conference has been known to be small. Up until recently in 2011, where they had a total of 14 teams, those including, you know, Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, uh, Penn Penn State, Nebraska, uh, Maryland, Rutgers, uh, all those teams. So this is a very historic uh, conference that's been around for a while. Uh, and historically, historically has been one of the smaller conferences, uh, but recently is finally becoming the conference in the Power Five era, or should we say P four? The P four, the Superior Two era. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, we're looking at an eighteen team. Big Ten going into the twenty twenty four season. Yeah, which is you know. Just bouncing off the history, they've always been known as the smaller of the Power Five conferences, though they are the most recognized, whether it be scholastically and very competitive when it comes to sports. But uh, let's segue into these rivalries, you know, and in this segment specifically for the Big Ten, uh, I learned a lot about Paul Bunyan. Yeah, uh, (laughs) we are in Austin, so growing up in Texas... You might hear the name Paul Bunyan, like, in elementary school, but, like, nobody really talks about him. Apparently, it's a big part of, like, Midwest folklore. So, shout out Paul Bunyan. So, I'm going to start it off with the Land of Lincoln, which is the rivalry between Illinois and Northwestern. They've been playing since 1892 and have met 116 times with a record, series record of 57 to 54 with five ties. With a fighting Illini leading that series. That's their name? Yes. Okay, honestly, I like that better than Utah Utes, to be honest. So, I know I said it's the land of Lincoln, but before that, uh, there was a wooden trophy, which was called the Sweet Sioux Tomahawk. It was uh, presented in 1945 until the original wooden trophy was stolen and replaced by this tomahawk. And then later in 2009 was when the Lincoln Trophy was played for. And the name derives from the state of Illinois and depicts the bronze replica hat that, uh, what's his name, Abraham Lincoln used to famously wear. Our 16th president. Yeah. Uh, So that's a little bit about the land of Lincoln. Uh, Then we, we go into the Heroes Trophy. It's one of my favorite rivalries. Because of the story behind it. So this is name. between uh, yeah Iowa and Nebraska. Where Nebraska leads the, the Cornhuskers. Lead the series 32, 30 wins, 20, 20, and 3 ties. 
This started in 1891 where they played regularly, regular, regularly, sorry about that, even through World War II. Um, then they had a stint where they didn't play at all from four, uh, 46 to 79. And finally, back in 2011, the Heroes Game trophy was unveiled and the rivalry was renewed. This game, why the reason why this is one of my favorite rivalries in the Big Ten is because this game honors the people of Iowa and Nebraska, which uh, then they loop this into an opportunity for both states to raise uh, funds for a selected nonprofit within both states. Ever since this trophy was uh, presented and announced, Iowa leads the series, the trophy series, eight to four. Awesome. That's pretty admirable. Shout out to both Nebraska and Iowa. Never yeah. thought I'd ever say that in my life, but here we are. And now we get into the fun Paul Bunyan's Axe. This is a rivalry that I almost confused for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, but... Don't steal my thunder here, buddy. Yeah, but this is a series between Minnesota and Wisconsin. Uh, this series is tied up 62-62 with eight ties. This uh, rivalry be- began in 1890, and the first trophy was awarded from 1930 to 43, which was literally a black piece of wood that was shaped in a, uh, a bacon, <laughs> and the word was carved on both sides of this wood with the winner's first initial, whether it be an M or W, M for Minnesota, W for Wisconsin, that engraved into the slab of wood. So, let's say I played for either <laughs> either team here, right? I with the name Ahmed or Ahmed. Yeah. I probably. Oh, okay, I, I see where you're going. So, bro. had I won in 1937, uh, my Muslim behind probably shouldn't be picking up the bacon trophy. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just it's thinking. a piece of wood that says bacon on both sides, and then your, fir- your the A, if you won, would be engraved in yeah, the middle you know, of it. It would be an M or W. I get that. Just imagine me going back to the mosque. Yeah, I just won the bacon axe. That's, that's the the, the bacon, well the, 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 what's it called? The, the, well, they didn't even have a name for it. It was just a, a piece of wood with bacon on it and then an initial. But was uh, this was to signify that the winner metaphorically brought home uh, the bacon. Okay, well, you know. Well, sure vegans are happy about this. <laughs> After World War II, uh, the trophy was lost. So then came the opportunity for the current name, Paul Bunyan's Axe. An axe that was awarded in 1948, which was a six foot long axe with the winner scores engraved into it. This is identical to the Paul Bunyan Cup or other bowl games we mentioned earlier, like the Victory Bell, etc. And um, they played, uh, they've been passing this axe around and engraving uh, scores and victors on this axe up until 20 and until 2000, my fault, where they uh, donated it to the College Football Hall of Fame and they made a new one. 2014, uh, there was a new tradition where they would take the axe and whoever had the axe had the opportunity to ch- uh, chop down the opposing winner's goalpost or losers. If you didn't have the axe, 
and you won that game, you would rush the sidelines and steal the axe, quote-unquote. You'd steal the axe. Uh, that that tradition was done away with in 2014 because this uh, always caused, like, some type of uh, brawl or scuffle. And, you know, now it's just they pass around this axe uh, after the game, not during, not post-game after, you know. So that's... Honestly, I think... You know, I'll save this thought for a little bit later because the fact that you mentioned Paul Bunyan's after getting confused is because I, buddy, have the Paul Bunyan trophy as a rivalry. Now, before we even get into this, I want to give a shout out. The Big Ten being one of the most historic conferences we have. Yeah. There's a lot of rivalries we don't actually get a chance to mention for a lot of these. Yeah. So if you're listening, you're representing a school that might not be on here but or they're on here and it's not the rival you want. Feel free to let us know at M E E T S Money on Twitter, yeah. and then at Sports Meets Money on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Feel free to let us know because honestly, I didn't know that if you go to Minnesota and ask the Gophers crowd who hates Iowa <laughs> in unison, they will all chant, "We hate Iowa." It, there's a lot of great stuff here, but the yeah. Paul Bunyan's Trophy is truly the Battle of Michigan here. It's the in-state rivalry, mm. and effectively, it's the Wolverines up in Ann Arbor and the Spartans over there at East Lansing, and it is their in-state cup rivalry. Unfortunately, though, it's a weird of a lopsided situation. The Wolverines currently lead 72-38 to and five ties since 1898. That is a long time. Mm-hmm. With the largest margin of victory coming from a game which Michigan won. One hundred and nineteen to zero. I don't know. I don't see how that's possible, bro. Like that's and the thing is, I think this is like the nineteen ten. So we are running. They put heavy. the sliders on them. Um, they put those sliders. I don't know. I they have, it's a run heavy system. They might. I'm guessing the Spartans had cement shoes that game. I don't know. So <laughs> since nineteen fifty three, though, the winner receives the Governor's Cup, which I think is kind of cool. Here, it's a four foot tall. Paul Bunyan sitting on top of a five foot tall wooden platform. Hmm. And I'm not going to lie, like many great rivalries, this gets heated. Yeah. Hence, don't run across the field stealing an axe. You're going to get somebody hurt. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. This is so heated. Last year in a tunnel, I forgot if it was at Ann Arbor or at East Lansing. Yeah. In the tunnel, there was a brawl that happened. Yeah. People are ready to throw hands over whether you are. Maize and blue or go green, go white, right? <laughs> and the second one I have is probably one of the most iconic rivalry yeah. games we can think about in North America. ESPN in 2000 actually had rated it the greatest sports rivalry in North America. And that's by the obvious ones here, right? You have people at the horseshoe in Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> the Buckeyes of the Ohio State because they love to put the word D in those ads <laughs> against... The Michigan Wolverines. The big house, the biggest stadium in college football. I think like 108,000. Oh. Packed in there for what's known as the game. The game. It's okay. literally the game, which is like crazy. What's that uh, phrase that they use in Columbus? So, um, during the last week of the football season for college football, you have great rivalry games, right? We have the Iron Bowl, for example, in the yeah. SEC. Big Ten has the game, which in Columbus, the very last week, you refer to it as the Michigan Week. <laughs> it's been known as that for a while. I don't know if under the Ryan Day administration it's called that, 
Um, I think under Urban Meyer might have been Jim Trestle. I feel like it was the Michigan week. Wow. But yeah, no, I think it's very important. Plus, like, this game means so much that if you're a player like stud D-lineman Chase Young of a Washington team that's trying to go back to a certain old name that I don't want to say over here, Mm. um, that's a weird topic for later on. Oh, I see that, yeah. Yeah, so if you beat the, the team up north, as a Ohio State Buckeye, you receive a little charm that is nothing but a pair of gold pants. Mm-hmm. Because according to a former Ohio State coach from back in the day, essentially you shouldn't have to worry about Michigan. They put their pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else. So every <laughs> time you beat Michigan, you uh, would receive the gold pants award. I think Chase Young has three or four, however many years wow. he was there. Because Urban Meyer is actually 7-0. and Ryan Day has not won against quote-unquote Michigan mm. for, I think, three years in a row now. And I think this is so important because one of the biggest things I was plaguing Jim Harbaugh until this last two to three years yeah. is the fact that not only were they not winning the Big Ten, which is the expectation for both of these teams, yeah. Jim Harbaugh had to beat Ohio State under the Urban Meyer era. Mm. You're judged on this team by how you beat them. Imagine us as Texas fans... We don't care about anything else. You have two expectations. The Big 12, you have to beat Oklahoma. If yeah. you don't beat the Sooners, you're essentially getting axed. Probably Baseball, by Paul Bunyan's yeah. axe here. Yep. So <laughs> I think it's very interesting, to be honest with you. And yeah, like just the sheer amount of it. Oh, and recently under the Harbaugh administration, there is a new Michigan tradition where you essentially win like a little charm or pendant. Yeah. It's the OU Ohio or OSU Ohio State logo. But has a maize colored uh, slash on it from the Wolverines. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool looking to Yeah, I saw that one. That was pretty cool. And the final bowl I have, or the final rivalry, is actually an interesting one, Ale. Mm. So we keep talking about these traditions and these great historic rivalries. There is a new one being formed, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. by the co host of a particular podcast, Taylor Lewan, formerly of the Tennessee Titans, and mm. Will Compton, formerly of. Tennessee Titans, Oakland Raiders, and the Washington, whatever team name was back in the day. Yeah. Taylor uh, used to play for Michigan as a left tackle. You know, good old Willie Compton was a uh, linebacker for Nebraska. Hmm. Being Big Ten school, they decided let's make a new rivalry that they refer to as the... Bussin! Bull. The show's name is Bussin, like getting being bussed to school. <laughs> uh, I just want to really uh, emphasize that here. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's called Bussin with the boys, as in going on school buses, right? We all have to hang out on the bus while we're waiting for a school trip here. Yeah. Their show is on an old broken down school bus that they converted into a studio, which I think is awesome. Wow. So the winner of this bowl receives a trophy that has a massive school bus on it. All gold and everything. It's pretty cool. Hmm. The funniest thing about this is, it's so new, I think it's like year two of this is happening, or year three. Both teams agreed. Jim Harbaugh literally signed paperwork on camera, agreeing hmm. like, alright, the winner of this gets this trophy, yeah, we'll informally call it this bowl. Wow. And I think it's just interesting to highlight because it's literally people's attempt to establish new rivalries and traditions, <clears throat> and as we're in an era where... The very landscape of ch- college football is just changing. Yeah. It's the fact that we're losing a lot of rivalries, you know? And I think creating new traditions with a new fan culture around it is awesome. It gives the idea that although the very nature of college football might be changing, yeah. the spirit of college football lives on. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
and I think it's pretty awesome. Now, they were going to do it officially last year as well, but mm. Nebraska, um, Scott Frost got fired. <laughs> I'll just say that. In the middle of the season. Yeah, and I'm getting to that here in a minute. Okay. So the athletic director decided, you know what's probably not a good time right now to continue. We just fired a coach a few weeks ago. Mm. Let's not do this. Um, so informally, Michigan's won 2-0 in the series now. Mm. Even though last year didn't necessarily count. Um, <laughs> but speaking of Michigan, let's kind of get into something that I love to talk about. Yeah. Right? At one point in a former video game streaming era, I was referred to by my friends as money-making med for a reason here. Free <laughs> um, capitalist 101, Pete, ladies and gentlemen. And there's no better way to talk about that than the fact that Billionaire's Row is stationed within Washtenaw County, Michigan. Now, you may mm-hmm. know arguably Michigan's most famous booster, Stephen Ross. Mm-hmm. He's given over $300 million, including 100 each, to the athletic program and the business school, both of which have central buildings named after the affluent alum. I should know. I actually, to be honest with you, have potentially looked at an MBA in a few years at the Ross School of Business over at Ann Arbor. Wow. And he can afford to do so. He owns both the Dolphins and the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Now, $100 million isn't too hard to shell out when one of the biggest event, events of the uh, year is actually F1 Miami. And Which we did like, cover. Yeah. If you'd like to learn more about that, actually... Feel free to check out an early May episode we had of Sports Meets Money. Yeah. Now, in order to help fund the quote-unquote next Michigan man, there's even a champion circle. It's an NIL collective, which is basically crowdfunding into a pool of money. Okay. Michigan isn't the only school with the NIL collective, to be honest with you. In fact, in this era of college football, it's something to help counter the influence of mega boosters at rival schools. Okay. The degree of success, which remains to be seen, to be honest, and I was relatively new all day. Yeah. But there's a price, right? So take Ryan Day, for example. He's a head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes and only has a few simple objectives, right? Yeah. Win the Big Ten, compete for a natty, and most of all, beats Michigan. I don't know if you were going to jump in for that one or not here. Um, Ryan Day understands to do this. It takes money to help influence recruiting. Yeah. He even considered on the Buckeyes cruise for cancer the idea of auctioning off the first play call against Indiana to the highest NIL donor. Ooh. Can you imagine having to run whatever? So I call? get to I get to get in the sideline and have my headset and I don't know if you get to do that. I feel like you at least get to you know ride and coach. We're gonna script this play for. I'm gonna be like coach. I'm the highest donor. I'm gonna do what I want. Can you imagine? I put up two million just for them to be like, yeah, we're gonna run inside zone. Like, <laughs> Bro, do, I, like do I get to call personnel? Can my p- first play score a touchdown? That'll Can you imagine? Dictate my future right there. Oh, dude, if I got a chance to call a play that was a touchdown for the Buckeyes, mm. oh, yeah, I'm taking that back to the boys in Maine or in Poteet with that one little story. <laughs> so here's the thing, though. There is a cost of winning. I feel like you would probably agree with this, right? Yeah. So Ryan Day also agrees with it. Last year, he put the price tag on it, buddy. In front of some 100 members of the Columbus Commerce community, Ryan Day quoted the Buckeyes faithful $13 million to be a wow. top team in college football. Wow. A number put together by examining NIL offers across you know other schools have made hmm. to their actual recruits. And he did break it down more saying, hey, a uh, good lineman usually costs this much in NIL value nowadays. Wow. Here's what a quarterback's probably going to run. So at this point, we're not talking about how do we recruit by you know emphasizing the culture of the school. We're pretty much giving you an itemized receipt. Wow. 
which I think is kind of interesting. It's starting to sound like the NFL a little bit. Oh, yeah. It's way till <laughs> there's a salary cap. Um, this is baseball money right now. So <laughs> the power of collectives, though, right? It's, it's pretty interesting and very important as well. Sure, we can argue about recruiting players using money. Well, at least now there's a legal loophole, right? <laughs> you can't go around and be like, oh, well, this person may or may not receive an apartment from a family friend connected to a school. Now you want to take away his Heisman and potentially disgrace him. Mm. Defamation lawsuits pending <laughs> with uh, Reggie Bush. Rip. But we can't argue, right, that it doesn't help with coaching. There's another aspect to NIL crowdfunding that we can attribute to being very similar to mega boosters. Okay. To be competitive, you also have to hire the right coaches and at times fire them in a quick mm-hmm. enough manner to not jeopardize your recruiting class. Yeah. Take Nebraska, for example. The writing was on the wall for Scott Frost last year. We all kind of knew it. Let's be honest. Yeah. And his day of reckoning was set October 1st. They had made an agreement, a restructuring of a contract, where if he was fired without cause before then, his original buyout of $15 million would stand. If he was fired after October 1st for whatever reason, as long as it wasn't, you know, just an unjust firing, yeah. um, he would only be given $7.5 million. So half of that. Almost three weeks earlier, right? So we're looking at early September. Yeah. Frost still got fired. I mean, think about it, right? The team wasn't going to be a top contender. So this is an interesting move. You missed yeah. out on $7.5 million, But I'm not going to lie. It's okay when... Energy executive Howard Hawks is the name on your facility. <laughs> the same Howard Hawks who reportedly paid to get on the board of regents for the university and has various endowed chairs and facilities named after him. Wow. I'm pretty sure the baseball complex for the Cornhuskers is literally the Howard Hawks complex. So, money definitely talks. And money! There we go. And that money is the reason we are doing this series before we go out there and fight our neighbors. What was that? Um, okay. Sorry, we that was you heard that, right? Somebody was yelling out there. Okay. So <laughs> we just gotta be honest here. That was that was a weird one here. And then the door <laughs> got pushed up on. Yeah, uh f- again for those who don't know, um we record this literally out of my apartment. It's all Austin, good, it's all good. Which is pretty hilarious. But you know, after the large actually uh Money led department for both Texas and OU to the SEC the alliance was formed. An alliance greater than the deadly alliance of Mortal Kombat and the WWF Attitude Era for those wrestling fans out there. Mm. For those who would like a better explanation, I'd like to direct you to our Pac-12 episode that we actually released recently where we kind of talked about this. But summarized, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the ACC made an agreement, not a written contract, to make a scheduling alliance. And a year later, UCLA and USC said, screw that, and they departed to the Big Ten. (laughs) A greater alliance betrayal than Kurt Angle at Survivor Series. Call back to the wrestling reference from earlier. So, here's, that's what kind of happened. Now let's flash forward to this year. Maybe, what, a month ago now? Yeah. 2023, Colorado, the prodigal son itself, returns back to the Big 12. Oregon and Washington, arguably the remaining premier teams of the West, join in the Big Ten. Now, this happens after this upcoming season when the current Pac-12 media rights deal ends. So, Pac-4 next year, we'll see how this goes. How the basketball and baseball teams of Rutgers, New Jersey, Hmm. will make the nearly 3,000-mile journey to Washington, Oregon routinely. I'm not sure, Ale. Do you think Phil Knight's going to let you... uh, You think he's going to let the Ducks use his private Nike jet? Hey, yeah. I mean, he's got uniform money. 
Um, shout out to Phil Knight for some amazing shoes. Um, <laughs> if you'd like to sponsor us, I can also agree with that. If not, you know, <laughs> we will accept all shoes. Some Nike mics, bro. That. Uh oh. We will sponsor that. Hey, there is a number out there if anyone's interested, but. Here's the biggest thing, right? Numbers <laughs> dictated the rest of this Big Ten situation. Yeah. And the biggest one is 18. 18. Not because of Peyton Manning or anything else, right? Number 18 is the number of teams next year that will be in the Big Ten. Is that the most in the P5 era? P4? Honestly, it should be. I think SEC is at 16. Mm. And Big 12 is at 14. ACC is TBD at this point. But, like many conferences, right, the Big Ten operated, um, keyword being in the past tense here, on a divisional play format. Meaning you largely play teams in your division, and the two divisional leaders play for the Big Ten Championship in Indy. This, too, has unfortunately shifted for the conference. Instead of divisional winners, the two best at-large teams are basically going to be facing off against each other, for the conference championship game starting next year. Yeah. The conference was actually slated to shift to a nine-game conference format where there's going to be a couple of protected rivalry games, a.k.a. the game, Paul yeah. Bunyan's Axe, Paul Bunyan's Trophy. A few of these rivalry trophy. games yeah. are going to be sticking around every year. The rest of the teams will be playing each other in essentially a rotation, home and away series. Yeah. Um, how this works with the new 18 conference, uh, 18 team conference I actually have no clue. I'm going to imagine that around the springtime, we're going to hear about this along with the usual outrage. Yeah. Because um, that's not the only thing that's actually been updated. So, now (laughs) as mentioned, a lot of this is actually just due to... Money! I feel like you really have too much fun with this sometimes. $100 million per school with the New Deal. Money! That actually is a lot of that. So, TV rights deals... The Big Ten leads in TV rights deals. Like, it's just simply that. Yeah. Uh, almost $100 million per school. I think the SEC is quoted to be almost like 80 now. Yeah, Big Ten is making making those big bucks, bro. And, like, the fact is, like, a lot of their games, and it's kind of weird with the scheduling thing I didn't mention, but, yeah. like, some of those teams are West, right? And we talk, we joke around, everybody does Pac-12 after dark. Yeah. There's a, I think it's unwritten tradition for the Big Ten, where a lot of the key games are played at noon. Because mm. when it's snowing and it's terrible winters in the Big Ten, you don't want to have a 9 o'clock, 7 o'clock game. Do you think, like, uh, with this expansion to the West, that's going to help mitigate that? Like, if you know there's this, you know, storm coming in uh, where Rutgers is, New Jersey, how about have them go to the West Coast and play a game there rather than have a West Coast team come into those type of conditions. If they would like the Farmer's Almanac... <laughs> I was going to go ...or to potentially God Almighty himself to go and sponsor the Big Ten, I feel like... Uh, I'm not really good at the whole predictive weathering stuff. So. Uh, and most meteorologists are not, so... <laughs> I actually don't know any meteorologists right now, so that's a shout out. Hey, they said it was supposed to rain last week. We didn't get not a hint of that. You didn't? No, I didn't. I got 20 minutes of it down San Marcos. But was it how? how, 
it was pouring for 20 minutes. Everybody yeah. ran outside the business building to look out the window, and I'm like, okay, relax. It didn't here. rain downtown Austin. It did not rain. It was during the day. I thought you'd be at the home. Either or, I didn't, we didn't get a hint of that. Wow. Okay, sorry. It was at Charleston North. Sorry. Very regional Central Texas talk. We had a hurricane <laughs> on the coast. Um, we're big, oh, that's true. We're big storm people out here. What do you want me to say? We, we pray for the storms. We pray Just for not rain. icy ones. We though. pray for rain. We don't pray for tornadoes and hurricanes. No, no, no. no. Storms for us is, is rain, bro. Yeah, I'm talking about the people in Corpus who deal with it before we do. Because, mm. you know, it then travels all the way up north through us. But, okay, so, it's enough weather talk for today, I guess. Okay, that's been, uh... This, <laughs> sorry, don't end the show. No, no. So, the newer deal, however, here's the weird thing, right? The newer TV deal also doesn't include Oregon and Washington. So, mm. I don't know if it's going to ruin the average. These teams have premier value. I don't know if they're still kind of losing some value because some of the lesser-known Big Ten schools... Some might carry in basketball. Some just don't carry their weight at all. Ale, I don't know what to do. I know we mentioned rain a few minutes ago. So yeah, well. I'd like to bring out the umbrellas here. Okay, well, before we get there, I want to predict what could happen with that deal, especially when you got Phil Knight coming in and then Washington having a Heisman contender with Michael Penix, right? Yeah. I feel like those two programs bring a lot of value to the Big Ten. And that leads to the next segment where I hope you got your umbrellas ready because it's about to storm up in here. And uh, this is my brainstorm session here where I believe that the teams that are lucky enough to be a part of this Big Ten plus eight (laughs) uh, should stay. And be grateful that they're they're in the big big eighteen big ten conference. Yeah, they gotta rename some of this stuff. I'm not gonna lie to you. You know, and as the Big Ten continues to grow and expand with plans to take over the remaining Pac-12 teams, uh, I believe there is a competition for those teams: Cal, Stanford, etc. The ACC being one of the contenders bidding and hoping that Stanford will come. Uh, Although I feel like the ACC is in a bit of a pickle with the teams that they have now. And then this new deal that they signed up until, was it 2036? I feel like um, if in the next five years the ACC and its teams in it are still in it, but not content with the conference. I see the potential where the Big Ten can come in and merge uh, with the ACC and become an even bigger power conference. Uh, As you mentioned earlier, Med, uh, there's this scheduling alliance already in the works or in the making or having is taking place now. It's like completely down the drain from what I understood. Okay, well, either way... They Th- that's a hint of what's to come, though. They've obviously been able to work together. Why not, especially with the ACC making $30 million per team, per, per team versus the $100 million. It's so tragic. It only makes sense for, for the ACC to try and join it rather than to try and reconstruct or survive during this stage, whatever stage you're going through. Which I feel like the ACC is next to go, but as far as the Big Ten, they're going to continue to grow 
And in order to grow and help these this West Coast feel a part of their conference, they're looking at ways to implement them geographically, re- regionally, and that's where they start to look towards Mark Davis and uh, hopes, in hopes, to host the Big Ten Championship over there in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is money when you talk about the Big Ten. That might have been the loudest one yet, to be honest. Yeah, because the Big Ten, bro, is expanding and is looking west. This is like the gold rush for the Big Ten, and I think they will continue to grow, and I just feel like any team that is in the Big Ten, stick along for the ride because I don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be smooth sailing for them. You know, I was going to ask a question, but... I'm going to save it for a finale that we had talked about for something else. Okay. But let me ask you this then. Do you feel, like, let's take the money aside, right? Let's say you are, pick a Big Ten team that you feel like you might have been a fan of in a different life. In a different life, I'd probably be a Michigan Michigan fan. Somebody's an elitist, okay. <laughs> um, can't wait to be there. Yeah. So... <laughs> Let's say you're in, uh, screw it, I'll be on Ohio State side for this one here. I'm going to channel my old AJ Hawk, Bobby Carpenter energy. Let's say it's, you're at Michigan, right? Mm. Don't hate. You, uh, you say don't hate or donate. Don't hate and also, donate. No, and, say, don't, and donate, but don't hate. It's college, donate. Shout out to Texted Bobcats. They keep emailing me for it. <laughs> they literally, okay, this is a side note here. Okay. <laughs> I got emailed. Saying to donate towards an alumni scholarship fund. Mm. You know why I don't appreciate that? Why? Because I'm currently a grad student and the alumni scholarship fund didn't give me any money. Mm. So this is really interesting. Okay. But uh, <laughs> really people with the donations. But let's say you're an Michigan fan here, right? Okay. So as somebody who believes in pride and tradition and the idea of being a Michigan man. Yeah. Not TV revenue side, just purely for tradition. Do you not feel a bit weird that you're going from Indy to Vegas, potentially, for the Big Ten Championship? Like You said m- money aside. Okay. Like, we will always argue about the money because there's a lot of it. That's Vegas, right? But Indy, you know, it's obviously a convention city. There's conventions 24-7. Yeah, you got the NFL draft there. You got a lot of the NBA like, was there. has been at Lucas Oil. Yeah. I mean, you got March Madness there, a lot of regular conventions, so they can handle it. So, how do you feel if you were a Michigan fan in past life? I'd probably have mixed feelings about this. Probably, if I was hardcore, as you say I am, I'd probably already have something booked for that week in hopes that my team makes it. Uh, That's looking like a good chance they will again. (laughs) Yeah. But... Honestly, I'd be uh, have mixed feelings uh, about it, but if I were to put that pride aside and just look at the bigger picture, I think it's only going to help the conference that my team is in, and uh, I just kind of take it as a let's see let's see where this takes us, you know. Yeah, so that's what I think about that. Okay, it's a good take, honestly. Yeah, I feel like this is really weird, and. To piggyback off what you were saying here, I think it's more than just the ACC who's in a bit of a pickle because the landscape is going to be weird. 
Well, I think that uh, roughly sums up our realignment episode for the Big Ten. Yeah. Thank you all for listening in on our current realignment series. We have clearly one conference to go. <laughs> the Evil Empire. Oh. Uh, no play that music. That music. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, <laughs> we do not have the license. But we, S- we, we SEC boys now. So. I know, but we don't have the rights to the Imperial March. Yeah, that's why. For, that's why I did it like that because they wouldn't be able to. I'm so terrible at that. They wouldn't even know that's what. Shout it out is. to Tone Deaf Ali, I guess. I don't know. We're, so we got to hop <laughs> up here. This has been another episode of Sports Meets Money, where our business is sports. If you agree with what we're saying here, you feel like it's interesting, or you're completely hating on us, saying you guys know nothing about the North and everything we have. Let us know at M E E T S Money on Twitter. At Sports Meets Money. Money! On Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Holla at your boy here. Sports Meets Money. If you want to hate, I'll take the hate here. I'm cool with that. I I ain't got time for that hate. I will diss every single one of your schools. Not really. But if you pay me enough, we'll make roast videos about certain schools in weeks. Like certain rivalry weeks. Let us know. We will do nothing but be flagrant towards the rival team here. We Give us some ticks and we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, um, and if we missed any rivalries, please let us know. Yeah, but yeah, that's it for sports meets money this week, where our business is sports. I've been your co-host Med, aka Marketing Medi, and I'm Alejandro, aka Ale Suave, and we will see you all very soon. Cut. <laughs> <laughs>